to marry in a halachic ceremony, in a ceremony according to Jewish law, outside of the framework of Israel's chief rabbinate is considered a felony. Both the couple and the rabbi officiating the ceremony are liable to two years imprisonment. And I've done about 200 of these weddings, so I have 400 years coming to me. The reason I think and when this is... when is that starting? Well, that starts <laughs> You haven't they, been arrested. They're not going to arrest me, I don't think. I would actually love if they did arrest me, because then we would win the battle much quicker. This is the Mid-East Peace Podcast. I am your host, Molly Livingstone, here in Jerusalem. Alex Giles in England is going to be sitting this one out because there's going to be too many Jews for him to handle. No, not really, but we do have the rebel rabbi with us. That's what I've coined him. I think Chuck Davidson, you, you like that name, right? Oh, definitely. It's not strong enough, but it's close. Well, there are words we can't say over there. Actually, we can say anything here. We don't have any censorship. Despite living here in Israel on the Mideast Peace Podcast, we can say anything. Now, the reason we brought you on this podcast is that when I say you're a rebel, you are basically saying extremely controversial things for Israel as a Jewish state, as a democratic state. You want to take down the rabbinical courts, which essentially are the law of the land here when it comes to marriage, religious ceremonies, birth, divorce, I assume probably death if they don't get you first. So that is pretty defensive, controversial. Why are you saying these things? Well, I think that in general, uh, a mixture of religion and state, as a general rule, it's deadly primarily to the religion. I don't think in the history of humanity there's ever been a good mix between power, politics, government on the one hand, and religion on the other. And I think that Israel is no exception. Great, so we're screwed. And so I think it's important to break the monopoly that the state rabbinate has over religion and promote freedom of religion and state. Okay, so let's talk about this for a second, because it seems that the religious, as you said, there can't be this beautiful divide. It's just a utopia that doesn't exist in reality. And of course, we see that also, I would say, even in Muslim society with Sharia law, which basically just says these are going to be the rules and don't even try to be democratic about it. And even in America, where there is separation of religion and state, you do sometimes see religion creeping in and challenging democracy there. So if we look here in Israel and we talk about how the Israeli law gives mandate to the rabbinical courts, these are courts where the so-called judges are rabbis, are ultra-Orthodox rabbis who dictate halacha, which is Jewish law, when it comes to birth, marriage, divorce, death, whatever. And you're saying it's too much of a monopoly. So what you've decided to do, let me get this straight, okay, is that you are allowing people to get married religiously outside of the rabbinical courts, which is a huge no-no. And it's such a big no-no that you technically could be arrested, so could the couple, I assume, and you could go to jail. Why are you doing that? Yeah, that is correct. A couple that marries in a halachic ceremony, in a, in a ceremony according to Jewish law, outside of Israel's chief rabbinate, outside of that framework, is breaking a criminal law. To marry in a halachic ceremony, in a ceremony according to Jewish law, outside of the framework of Israel's chief rabbinate is considered a felony. 
both the couple and the rabbi officiating the ceremony are liable to two years imprisonment. And I've done about 200 of these weddings, so I have 400 years coming to me. The reason I think and when this is, is that starting? Well, that's you haven't been arrested. They're not going to arrest me, I don't think. I would actually love if they did arrest me because then we would win the battle much quicker. But I, I think they understand that it would not be in their interest to arrest anyone. The reason I do this is I, I think it's important. I think it's actually important to resist this law through civil disobedience. Through massive civil disobedience, I think this law needs to be resisted. I think it's an, a legitimate decision for every country to decide who can get married, who can officiate the ceremony, that kind of thing. We might argue about the details of the laws, but it's a legitimate type of law. However, to turn a wedding that occurs outside of the framework of the chief rabbinate into a felony, that to me is an absolute red line. It is turning a mitzvah, a Jewish religious ceremony into a felony, specifically in the state of Israel, that is that is just unheard of and unacceptable, and I think it needs to be resisted. Okay, so here you are, you're resisting, you're doing all these weddings. It really isn't doing much damage. You write about it, you've blogged about it, you try to put yourself out there in the news. Obviously, being provocative is the way to go, especially when it comes to religious issues. We've seen this with the women of the wall at the Western Wall, right? They've challenged the status quo there by wearing prayer shawls that only men are technically supposed to wear, by taking Torahs to the women's side. It's all separated. And they've been arrested for this. They've gone to court for this. And they've made some changes in the system. But the fact remains that these rabbis, now you're a rabbi too, so you're going to have to explain this to our audience, and you're an Orthodox rabbi, which sounds like those other guys over there who are preaching what is Jewish and what is not considered Jewish, those rabbis get to still have a power. I mean, they are egomaniacs. They control our government, right? No matter what government it is, the coalition always seems to have these religious guys. And I say guys because they do not allow women in their parties. That is for damn sure. And they get to dictate the laws. So here you are. You're you're saying all of these things. You're saying basically the rabbinical court is the thing that's wrong with Judaism. And that goes for people that are trying to convert to Judaism who find that they can't because of these same rabbis. So who the hell wants to be a Jew anymore? Why do they want to be a Jew? Why does anyone want to be Jewish? And why do we want to have a Jewish state if this is what it is? I think that there's a big difference between wanting to be Jewish and affiliating oneself or finding something positive in Israel's chief rabbinate. Israel's chief rabbinate does not represent Judaism. Perhaps that's its job, and it's supposed to yeah, represent that's its Judaism. Job. But it certainly doesn't, and that's the exact reason that I'm fighting them, is whereas they are supposed to represent Judaism, they represent nothing but political interests. And the connection between them and Judaism is, at best, accidental. And uh, th that's why I think that they need to be resisted. In fact, they are doing damage to Judaism. They're doing damage to democracy as well. But as much as I love democracy, and I do, I love Judaism even more. And so I think, uh, by the way, that the power they have is very much exaggerated, at least in the areas in which I work. Their monopoly is largely imagined. All that we need to do, we, the people of Israel, is simply walk away from them. It is true that they have a monopoly on legal marriage in the state of Israel, but if we just walk away from them and seek religious services elsewhere, we can get away with it. Unless, of course, they decide, for example, to enforce this marriage law, which I don't think they will, 
We just need to walk away. So, for example, the weddings that I perform are halachically valid. They're valid in the eyes of Jewish law. They are not recognized by the state. So those couples that I marry have two options. You see, Israelis are very, very creative in finding solutions out of the box. So as an example... Hashtag startup nation. Startup nation. Hashtag startup nation. Very, very creative people. So... Even though it is true that there is no way to get legally married in the state of Israel other than through the chief rabbinate, they have found out-of-the-box solutions. For example, a couple who wishes to marry, be recognized as married by the state of Israel, may fly to Cyprus, to Prague, to Las Vegas, to anywhere they want, obtain a civil marriage, and that civil marriage certificate acquired abroad, they can then bring it to Israel's Ministry of Interior, and register based on that foreign civil marriage as a married couple. This is by law. Israeli law recognizes, for example, if an Elvis impersonator performs a wedding for an Israeli couple in Las Vegas, they then bring the certificate from that ceremony, and the State of Israel, the Ministry of Interior, will, in fact, register them as married. So that's one option. Yeah, the same is true, by the way, for gay marriage. Any certificate of marriage from another country will be recognized here, which is ironic because we're talking about people just getting married here that want to get married through a religious ceremony. We haven't even broached the subject of civil union, of common law marriage, of gay marriage. I mean, we are so in the dark. We haven't even seen the light on those. Whereas in America, that's now the thing of the past, and they're talking about how to get rid of gender. Correct. Which we will not touch here in Israel. Correct. I'd like to correct one point that you made, and that is that Israel does recognize common law marriage. Okay. And that's the other solution that the couples that I marry often choose, to live as a common law married couple, which has almost the same rights as a legally married couple. It's not exactly the same, but it's close. So Israelis have found the solutions to walking away from the chief rabbinate. And now all we need to do is encourage the masses to do that. And that's my job. Well, that is a hefty job because even though the religious in Israel, and I think that our audience needs to understand that when we talk about Middle East problems, often people obviously think of ISIS and Hamas, Hezbollah, terrorists in general, wars, Jews against Arabs, Palestinians. And what I don't think people actually see, and you only see when you get to really live here, is that you know, Jews can be our own worst enemy. And and I think that's what at least I see in your battle. I mean, here you are, a religious man who is an ordained Orthodox rabbi. And your battle is against the religious men, ordained rabbis, who are too controlling of the laws to a point where you say they've monopolized the system. I mean, we're talking about weddings, which of course is, you know, part of that very important life cycle. But don't forget, they also even control the baser things like food. I mean, you can't even have a restaurant here that is considered a kosher restaurant unless it gets that same rabbinical court's approval. And that's another battle that's being waged. I mean, it's exhausting. It is literally the most exhausting thing to try to be a pluralistic, liberal Jew in this country. And I don't think people get to see that. I mean, it is unbelievable that you are a rebel for this reason. You are almost begging them to say you're not a Jew. An Orthodox rabbi who's begging 
the rabbinical court to point a finger and say, actually, you're not considered Jewish. What should the world think about that? I think the world should think about that, what is obvious to me, having grown up in America, and that is, again, that the combination of religion and state do not mix well. Religion is a wonderful thing. Certainly Judaism, that's the one that I know, is a wonderful, beautiful thing. When you involve a government in determining what that means, what Judaism means, or, or what you know, how we should understand that, that's where the problems begin. You know, the United States, if I'm not mistaken, is one of the most religiously observant countries in the world in terms of Christianity. And I think one of the reasons for that is that the government is not involved. When governments get involved, they ruin it. And here, too, the government getting involved is ruining it. I have to mention, by the way, that most of the rabbis in the chief rabbinate are fine, fine rabbis. They're good rabbis. It's the institution which creates the havoc, and therefore it's the institution which must be broken in terms of their monopoly. And if that happens, and if we get the government uninvolved in religious matters, I think that will be good for everyone. It'll be good for democracy, it'll be good for Western values, and it'll be primarily good for Jewish values. Yeah, I think something that is really the most mind-boggling because I've had friends that have done this. They have married outside of the rabbinical courts, even though they consider themselves religious, because they don't like the system and they go against it. Now, once you're married and if you have children, you're actually considered then by the government as being a single parent, which is crazy to me. On the other hand, are they finding a loophole to more benefits because they're considered single parents? I don't know. But I think that what you're saying, now I know that you're this rebel and this is what you're doing and you hope to make a difference and get arrested. I don't know if we're ever going to get there. Maybe Uh I'm being pessimist, but I see the opposite. Look at the law that drafted the ultra-Orthodox into the army and they are rioting in the streets, stopping traffic to protest this. So it almost seems that the less power they feel they have, the more power they are going to try to take as this goes on. So you don't see that. You're optimist about this separation of religion and state here in Israel? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that the chief rabbinate doesn't really have power. I think we've already won the battle, at least in a Hmm. small way. All we have to do is bring to the attention of the public that what they imagine to be powerful is not powerful at all. I do think that we're going to successfully break the monopoly of the chief rabbinate within the next 10 years. It will take a long time. The monopoly is essentially already broken. It's just not enshrined in law yet. I believe we'll get to that in the next 10 years. When the masses vote with their feet, the politicians will follow. I lost all hope in the political institutions of Israel in terms of religion and state long ago. Uh, But if the masses set facts on the ground, and by the way, that's the way things work in the Middle East. It's part of a problem Americans have understanding Israeli and Middle Eastern mentality when they first move here. But over the last 26 years since I've been here, I've learned well and become sort of a super Israeli. The way to create change in Israel is to first set facts on the ground and then enter into negotiations. That's the way it works in the Middle East. And so if we can get enough of the masses to set facts on the ground, the politicians will eventually follow. I think it's a matter of a decade, hopefully not more than that. But I absolutely believe we will win. In terms of the draft of the ultra-Orthodox into the Israeli army, the mistake that was made, in my opinion, was trying to force that issue rather than other issues. For the ultra-Orthodox service, 
serving in the army is a do-or-die issue. In other words, it's an absolute red line for them. It would be more effective, one has to be patient, right? There's a famous Chinese saying that I think must have been invented by a Chinese Jew. It says, patience separates the spider from the fly. And we were unfortunately flies instead of spiders in the last coalition government and forced through this law to recruit and to, to make ultra-Orthodox join the army. I think that was a huge mistake. I think the way to do it is to do the exact opposite, to allow the ultra-Orthodox to enter the workforce without going to the army first. And over one generation, the more they enter the workforce, the more they will be exposed to general Israeli society, and the more they will acculturate into general Israeli society. And as a result of that acculturation, they will begin volunteering to go into the army. It's a slow process. It can't happen overnight. So you're saying that this is all very Middle Eastern. I mean, we see right now in Iran, they're having once again this spring fighting against the Ayatollah and the government. So you're saying finally in Israel, because it kind of skipped over us and Jews bicker, right? We bicker, we sit at a table, we complain, we try to understand laws that were written thousands of years ago and every rabbi has his own interpretation and then We seem to argue about that over and over and over again. So here might be our opportunity to become part of the rest of the Middle East and have our own Jewish spring, and it would go against marriage. Although I'd have to say, if you look kind of at what the rest of the world is doing, marriage seems to have died, and it's become more polyamorous, open marriage, throuples. Maybe we should just skip the whole thing and go that direction. I think they're doing that already in Tel Aviv. So why not the rest of Israel? And then wouldn't that solve everybody's problems? Thoughts on open marriage? Rabbi Chuck Davidson? So a couple of things. Number one is I think that you might be misreading Tel Aviv. I think that the average, even Tel Avivian, is very much connected to Jewish tradition. Mm-hmm. They are very anti-religious establishment, as I am. That doesn't mean that they're anti-religious. For the most part, including Tel Aviv, the average Tel Avivian is very much connected to his or her Jewish heritage. That's number one. Number two is Israel is a very, very traditional society compared to, let's say, certain places in Europe. And certainly as an Orthodox rabbi, I think that marriage is a good institution. I think that it provides stability for building families. I believe that family is the nucleus of the Jewish people. And so I would certainly not be in favor of abolishing it in any way whatsoever. I do, however, believe in in freedom of religion. I think that the most, and I'm a religious person, I think that our religion is beautiful. I think it's wonderful. I think it's a good thing. I think the best way to promote religion in any society, including in Israel, is to not force, to not coerce. Coercion in the 21st century is nothing but a boomerang. The more you try to force religion down people's throats, the more you push them away from it. And so if we simply understand that and stop pushing and let people make their own decisions, I believe that will advance Judaism and it will make it stronger rather than the opposite effect. Basically, you're just described how to raise a teenager. But yes, I agree with you. And what about gay marriage? In your world, as a rabbi, an Orthodox rabbi, would you allow gay marriage or that would still be off the table? 
Look, in terms of halakha Jewish law, there is no such thing as gay marriage. It doesn't exist in Jewish law. And so I, as an Orthodox rabbi, would certainly not perform a wedding ceremony for a homosexual couple. That said... I do believe that there need to be civil marriage options in Israel. And in that context, gay couples could certainly get married in a civil ceremony. The concept doesn't exist in Jewish law. So we can't possibly offer that in a Jewish legal framework. But in addition to Jewish legal frameworks, there should be civilian frameworks as well. That's an obvious thing to me. It all sounds so exhausting, but you seem very excited about it. So I'm going to ask you if people who are listening to this want to understand more, they want to help you in this protest, in this Jewish spring here in Israel. How can they get involved in your movement? So first of all, if they'd like to donate to the cause, they can always do that. <laughs> always a Jew with the money. Yeah? <laughs> that's the, that's that? the minor point. The major point mm-hmm, is if they have sure. friends, family, whoever in Israel, they should encourage them to vote with their feet and rebel. It is a massive civilian civil rebellion which will win in the end. Not violent, God forbid. And they don't even need to do anything even close to violence. They simply have to vote with their feet. When they are looking for religious services, they should not look to the state rabbinate. They should look elsewhere. And there are such options now in almost every arena of Jewish religious services. They exist now in kashrut, in keeping kosher. They exist in conversion. They exist, through me at least, and it will expand over the next year to many rabbis beyond me. It exists in marriage services, and it will shortly I imagine within the next few years, exist in divorce services as well. So Jews here in Israel simply need to vote with their feet. And when they're looking for religious services, they should look outside of Israel's chief rabbinate. That's good. Do you have a website online or a way of people contacting you to probably argue with you, but hopefully some people will also be with you? Okay. Uh, So yeah, I don't have a website yet. Over the next three months, we will have a website. People can contact me via my email, which is c pdtorah at gmail.com. That's C like Charles, P like Paul or Peter or Paris, D like David, T like Thomas, O-R-A-H at gmail.com. I should mention that if anyone wants to use my services to perform their wedding, I do not charge. The Rebel Rabbi here on the Mid-East Beast podcast. What do you guys think? Is he delusional? Is he right on the money, so to speak, as Jews like to think? Are we about to see an uprising like never before? Jews marrying religiously outside of the rabbinate? Oh my God. God literally still being involved in that statement. By the way, we didn't even talk about how easy it is to get married as Jews, right? Isn't it just two witnesses and a shtup? The shtup is not necessary. It's oh, recommended. I that was. Hmm, that's what my husband told me. Okay. But it is true. It's a ring and two witnesses. And that's yeah. it. You don't need a rabbi to and get married. they made a monopoly out of it. Damn, they're good. Well, this is all super exciting because up until now, I think the only thing Jews protested was cottage cheese in the last 10 years because of the prices. So finally, we have a battle that we could actually really have some dignity and some challenge and change with it. So you've inspired me to care. And if I could do my wedding over, I would tell you, I was a really naive little girl and I went through the rabbinical courts and they did put me through the ringer. They made 
made me prove lots of different things. I had to prove that I was single. I had to prove that I was Jewish. I had to prove that I cared. And all of that was super challenging. So I hope that the next generation will have more options and you'll be the one leading that through this uprising, as you said, with your feet. Go out and care. Stop listening to this podcast, but like us on iTunes. You can subscribe there. Find us on Facebook, The Mideast Beast. You can follow us on Twitter at Mideast Beasties. I want to thank our producer, Scott Kahn, who actually told me to uh, call up this rebel rabbi in Beit Shemesh of all places and have a conversation. That was a good one, Scott. You have been listening to another episode of The Mideast Beast Podcast.